Welcome to this teaching from Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. Calvary Chapel Divine is just a casual church for everyone. We meet in a common place and we just simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we do emphasize is the sun, salt, and light. We want you to know and grow in the sun, Jesus, but be the salt and the light in this world. If you'd like to get more information on the church, we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can either come in person or watch online, but you can also submit a prayer request. Or if you have any questions about the church at all, you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's get started. We're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34. Uh, a little more verses this week we're going to cover. Um, and, and we'll be talking about the authority of Christ. Um, and so, just real quick, um, if you're watching online, we want to thank you all for watching. And first off, we want to thank uh, Sarah for doing worship uh, and the family being here. We, uh, we, before we even started praying about coming to divine and how the lord opened the doors here one of the first things i was praying for was a worship leader because i was like there's no way i i have no i can't hold a tune i can't play a guitar and neither can Teresa. so we were like we need we need worship and and for us just having that i mean even when we had lester and them here for that one week it was just such a blessing because it, it it just prepares you for the word of god and so we want to thank them uh for being here and uh, and at the same time, uh, welcome. If you need to get a hold of us or you need any information about the church, you can do that through calvarydivine.org. Calvarydivine.org. It, um, you can just click. It'll pull up email, uh, phone number, all that wonderful stuff. And uh, and then also your your tithes and offering. That's between you and the Lord. And and you can give online as well. So. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the scripture if we want to go ahead and stand, if we can there. And uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 1, verses 21. And we'll pick it up in, in verse 21. It says, And they went into Capernaum, uh, and immediately, uh, before I get started, when I, when I, I always pronounce it Capernaum, and then I was listening to the strong concordance, and it's Capernaum, and I was like, all these years I had it wrong. But it's, it's Capernaum, and, and so immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and he was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as, not as, as the scribes. And immediately there was in uh, their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him, and they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they, uh, they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the, uh, all of the surrounding region of Galilee, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, James and, uh, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came uh, and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. 
That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with the various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this word. We do pray as we get into this that we uh, are attentive and, and just look for application for uh, what we need to apply in our lives. Uh, and, and I just pray, Lord, as, as we uh, share this word that is yours. Um, and and we, we just, as we look at the authority, the authority in teaching, the authority over evil, and the authority over... Uh, over illness and disease, Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would ask the question, is Christ the authority of our life? And so uh, as we come into the scriptures, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us into it and, and just prepare our hearts for it. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody go ahead and be seated. So I entitled this, The Authority of Jesus, Who is Your Authority? And we'll look at it in three parts, in Jesus' authority to teach in verses 21 through 22. And uh, the second part, Jesus' authority over evil in verses 23 through 28. And finally, Jesus' authority to heal in verses 29 through 34. So last week what we saw is, is uh, Jesus picking the first four disciples. Um, and they were all fishermen. We talked about uh, being... Uh, they were going to become fishers of men. We talked about fishermen. We talked about Alaska deadliest catch. You know how those guys are, they have tenacity and they work long hours. And they, they, even when they're not catching anything, they're still fishing. And, and you know, as we look at, at Jesus picking fishermen, he's picking these men that have that same grit and determination as they go out to, uh, uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and so now what we see is as we're leading into this, Jesus takes them to church. The next thing they do is Jesus takes them to church. And they head to the synagogue. And so one of the questions that we have is as we look at this, we see three different types of authority that Jesus has. He's authority overall, but we see three specific ones that are listed here. And we need to ask ourselves, is Jesus the authority in all areas of my life as as a follower and 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 as if you're not following you need to ask the question who is the authority of your life because realistically you're you you have some authority over you you may you may have the authority of science that that you follow unfortunately a lot of people because of covid that's what they do they follow the science and that's the authority that they have that dictates their life and, and or you may have the, the authority of I'm going to follow the social justice or the political, uh, you know, roles that are going on. And that'll be my authority. But most of all, I think if we were to be honest about it, and I can tell you before Christ, the authority was me. I was the authority of my life. And, and, and I, unfortunately, that's probably the most narcissistic out of all of them. And, and, and but. What happens is, you know, we see that we have a problem with authority in America. We know that. We can see that. We don't have to have anybody tell us that. You can watch the nightly news. You can see a teacher yelling at a cop and, and giving, you know, uh, there's our wonderful train. Let me let that go through. Yeah, no, hang on. That's the joy. I love it. 
I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm back in Georgia when I hear that. So that's cool. Um, and so um, and so one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is like, is is Jesus the authority of my life? And 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 unfortunately, I think what happens is if you're not following Christ, you need to answer that question. That's something that that really needs to be answered, because what ends up happening is your your authority are, is followed by emotions and feelings. And, and our relationship with Christ is the most important thing, and he needs to be the authority of not just certain areas of our life, but all areas of our life. So the first uh, part of the teaching, we'll look at Jesus' authority to teach. It says in, in Mark chapter 1, 21, it says, And they, they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And so uh, he, what we see is, is that area in Capernaum was actually called the Village of Comfort. It was a huge fishing industry. And it was actually, and this is very important because it says his fame spread quickly, right? The reason why his fame spread quickly is because that was a trade town. There was a lot of trade going in and out of the town, so there was a lot of routes for information to go out. And so, you know, a huge fishing town. But it, it says he immediately on the Sabbath entered the synagogue. So one of the things we need to talk about is the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath is something that is still practiced today in Israel. And some, some Jews still practice the Sabbath. Um, and, and what they do is they'll enter into the synagogue, but... When we look at the Sabbath, it was originally based upon Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, On the Sabbath day, God finished His work that He had done. Uh, or on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had, he had done. And then we see in Exodus thirty-one sixteen that, that, that Moses gave. And it says, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath observing the sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever it is a sign forever between me and the people of israel that in the six days the lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and see what happens unfortunately is is with the sabbath the rabbis made too many laws to go with the sabbath so for today like you couldn't if you were practicing the Sabbath, you couldn't press the button to go down an elevator or up an elevator. You'd have to take the stairs. That would be breaking the Sabbath. Uh, squeeze an orange juice for orange juice. If you squeezed an orange, you're breaking the Sabbath. Blowing up a balloon. See, these are the laws that people came up with. And, and they became a burden to the people. And so you have that 400 years of silence, and here comes Jesus on the scene. And we have all of these human laws that have been added to the Sabbath. And it, there's no way that they can keep them. And you've got to remember that Jesus clashed with the religious leaders all the time about the Sabbath. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says that the same, at, at that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and, and to eat. And so they're just basically plucking the, but that's breaking the Sabbath. And, and so, uh, but when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And so what happens is, is it became a form of legalism. You know, and, and we have to be very careful with that too in our, in our faith because we're called to be in a relationship with God, not in a religion. 
And Paul warned us about this in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. He says, Therefore, let, not, let no one pass judgment on you uh, in questions of food and drink or with regard to a, um, to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. And Jesus said, you know, as Jesus has arrived, he is the shadow of things to come. And, and he tells them in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Right? Now, can a Christian practice the Sabbath today? Yeah, you could. Because really all the Sabbath is is taking rest with the Lord. But the problem is, is most Christians, when they take rest, they're still too busy and they're not really resting with the Lord. You, you can take Sabbath rest. It's okay. But you know what Sabbath rest would be? Spending time in your marriage. That's because that's something that God has governed. You know? Uh, it, it, spending time with your family. Because that's something that, that you're sowing into that God has blessed you with. That would be at rest with Christ. But see, like I said, normally most of us, and I'm just as much to blame, I can be busy. And I remember Miss Liz, uh, one of our pastors, who uh, her husband Oscar went and planted in, uh, one, no, Itapato, Mexico. He left from our church to Itapato, Mexico, planted a church. And I remember Miss Liz sitting in the class, we were doing grace group, and she said, you know what busy is? Being under Satan's yoke. When you're too busy to rest with the Lord. And I was like, wow. I was like, yeah. I, I can see that because remember we need to be at the feet of Christ at times too. So yeah, you can practice the Sabbath. But don't put it on somebody else if you're practicing it. Then well you you know, you gotta practice it. I'm practicing it, so you need to practice that's legalism. And so we need to be careful with that. But I love that he says immediately Sabbath, uh, on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So where does Jesus go? Jesus goes to church. The synagogue is actually uh, a place where they would meet. And why did they have synagogues? Synagogues were actually because of the Babylonian captivity. So the reason they have them is because when the, the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity, they had no temple anymore. So that's where the synagogues came. A place for them to come and hear the Word of God. A place for the kids to come and learn the Word of God. They would actually, any kind of contracts or uh, when there were disputes within the community, it would be settled in the synagogue. And, and so, Jesus takes them to church. And so, if Jesus goes to church, why aren't you at church? Right? Why aren't you at church? It's, it's time for the church to come back. And I don't care if you come back to this church, because I know I have some people that I know are watching... Uh, and, and, and it's time for you to get plugged into a church. There are Calvary chapels all over this town. Uh, not just Divine, but throughout San Antonio. You need to get plugged into a Bible teaching church, one that teaches the whole counsel of God. But if Jesus went to church, you need to be in church. But see, there's been this great exodus from church. And I think a Barner survey said that three out of, out of five people are not returning to church. And so you wonder, well, what was going on in their relationship anyway? Right? And, and, and it's time to come back. I love what Pastor Skip said last night. I was listening to Pastor Skip Isaac, and he said, it doesn't matter how far you are from God. It can be 1,000 steps, 10,000 steps. All it takes is repentance and you're back. You just repent and God, God receives you back. You need to come back. 
You need to come back to church. It tells us, we know the verse very well. I'm going to read verse 25 verse, and then I'll come to 24. In, verse, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. But if we read verse 24, this is the key. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You can't stir up at your couch. Okay? There's nobody that's probably coming to your house that's from the church or from a neighbor or somebody, maybe. But the whole reason you come to church is because we, we are, are, it's the love that you come in, you're loved on, you're, you're, man, you're there to pray for somebody. Somebody may be going through something that you went through 10 years ago and you can say, you know what, man, let me just... Let me just pray with you. You know, it's, 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 so we need to not neglect that. We need to be thinking about our, our relationship and, and coming back to church. And, and so we see Jesus entering the synagogue. And so now we see Jesus teaching with authority. And, and no one could teach the way that Jesus taught. He just, he, he just went straight to penetrate your heart. And, and it doesn't matter what teacher you think, whether it's Skip or David Rosales or, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the good ones, Jack Hibbs and Lloyd Pulley and, and Sandy Adams and all those guys. They're great teachers of the Word, right? Great teachers of the Word. Chuck Smith, none of them as good as Jesus when Jesus preached, right? Why? Because he had the authority. He had the authority to teach. And, and I love that it says in verse 22, and it says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Astonished in the Greek means to actually, Jesus would strike a blow, boom, right to the heart. Right to the heart. And honestly, when we, when we come to present the word, the whole point of us to... to, to for us to be teaching the Word is to teach it verse by verse and let God do the work. We don't come in with topical teachings because we're like, oh, okay, well, this is a hot topic. Let's talk about that. that, that what ends up happening is you end up with a bunch of motivational speaks uh, that's happening. I, 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 was, <laughs> I don't know why it popped up on my Facebook, but one of the churches that is right down the street from our house, production is unbelievable. It looks like, you know, it looks, it looks like a, a high, like a, and it's a tiny church. But they have multiple cameras, and I'm in the whole nine yards, and the guy's teaching. Dynamic speaker. But it took him 22 minutes before he got to the Word of God. And he only shared it the one time out of the 45 minutes he talked. And I thought to myself, you know, that's, that's the problem right now is that there are a lot of dynamic speakers, but, you know, what we do at Calvary is we just teach the Word. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and this is why we teach the Word and why we're supposed to be in the Word of God ourselves. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the, the intentions and the intentions of the heart. <laughs> Just make sure you understand that, that it, the word pierces, and anybody who's been in, in under teaching before, right, when they're teaching the Word of God and it hits you, and you're like, oh, 
man, I need to, I, that's something I need to work on. Like I, I've been in, in, in sitting in service and had something just pierce my heart. And it's like, man, I need, I need to repent or I need to ask God to help me with that. And, and so that's what God's Word does. That's why we're supposed to be in the Word of God daily. And I love that it says that it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. Why? And the discerning of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Look, if I go by what my soul wants, I'm, I'm gonna, the intentions are not going to be, they're going to they're be from the flesh. And I don't want to do that. I want to be guided by the spirit. And that's why I love it says, you know, it, it, it divides the soul and the spirit. And what does it do? It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And, and we need that. And so when Jesus, Jesus taught, it penetrated the heart. And what Mark is really trying to show here is that the, at the time, the scribes were just lawyers. Why were they lawyers? Because they had so many laws. Somebody had to keep up with them. They had so many laws. Somebody had to keep up. And when they would teach, they would teach it was just a dead religion at the time. They were teaching just these long-winded, obscure teachings. And Jesus comes in and just simply teaches the Word of God. I will tell you right now, you will never hear me try to quote the Greek or any of that stuff. I'm a very simple person. And so when I, when I need the Word of God, when I want to learn it, I want to just simply learn the Word of God as, and, and apply it. That's it. I, I want to be able to just go to it and be able to use it in my life. And that's what we really want. That's why when we talked about, you know, our, our, our thing here at the church is sun, salt, and light. It's, it's knowing the sun and growing in the sun. So knowing Jesus Christ and growing in Jesus Christ. And then being what? The salt and the light in divine Natalia, Lytle, Hondo. You know, and then hopefully further out. That's really at the end of the day what we want. We don't want to be like the Pharisees or the, or the scribes where we come in and we do these long-winded te teachings that have nothing to do with the Word of God. That's not going to help you. Me sitting up here telling you, I, me, I, I can talk story. I got a friend of mine that's from Hawaii uh, that, that attends our other church, Frank, when, when we were attending that church. Frank, Frank Gugadan, he's from Hawaii. We could talk stories for hours. Now, if, you, if you've been in Hawaii, they love talking stories. And that's just sitting down and, and enjoying fellowship. But that's not going to get you anywhere. You need the Word of God. You need the Word of God. Jesus deals with the scribes, the ones that, that had the law in Matthew chapter 23, verses 27. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are, are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. And he's saying, you know, you're stuck in your routines and you're checking your boxes in your religion. And it's like, it's, this is not a dead religion. It's a relationship. When we open the Word of God, it's living. The Word of God is inerrant. It's without error. And Jesus is, you know, I, I've, I've said this before, this wonderful cartoon People will say, I want to hear from God. And, and in the cartoon, there's the Bible coming down through the, the clouds. Here, you want to hear from God, open God's Word. That's where you'll hear from God. 
And I love it because the reason why Jesus has authority is because Jesus submitted to the Father. Remember, He was, he was baptized earlier on, remember? He, he was baptized. He was obedient to do what God had called him to do. And he, had, he, he talked about that in Matthew chapter 3 because John tells him, hey, um, I need to baptize you. But Jesus says no. In, in chapter 3 verse 15, he says, but Jesus answered him, let it be so for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. He was being obedient to the Father, and that's why he has the authority to teach when he goes into the synagogue. And we see in verse 23 and 28, Jesus' authority to cast out demons. And immediately there, was there, uh, immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. First question you have to ask yourself, how long was this person sitting in church with an unclean spirit? And it, it's, we talked about this in Nehemiah Wednesday about uh, those in, in uh, sheep's clothing, the wolves in sheep's clothing. It, it's for real. And he says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy? I know uh, who you are, the Holy One of God. And so the demon even knows who Jesus is. And um, this unclean spirit, this demon, in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was, and, uh, was to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus appears and he's going to destroy the works of the devil. And, and they were angry because they know they're going to lose their power. And, and sometimes we can try to minister to somebody. Uh, and, and I love what Proverbs 4.16 says. It says, For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of the sleep unless they have made someone stumble. What that means is there are some people that we just can't minister to. And, and we need to be very careful that we don't get sucked into the darkness of what they're doing. Okay? And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, like this unclean spirit, a door had to be open. You know, we talk about our, our generation as the Ouija board. Right? That was the thing back in the day. I remember as a kid, and I didn't want nothing to do with it. I was like, I don't like being scared. I, I, even in the Army, I was like, I didn't like being scared. Like, I'd rather be the one trying to scare people and all. Uh, but you can, you can open up tarot cards, right? Going to see a psychic for a reading. Mexican, uh, we, my husband, I had to ask my wife. She said it was Santeria, but witchcraft, what is it? Well, uh, there you go. I can't even get that out, so I'm not going to try. Our, where we're from is voodoo, right? It's, it's, it's southern voodoo or whatever it is. But you need to avoid that stuff. You need to be very careful about not opening a door to the darkness. And what I mean by that, if you keep ministering to this person, it's been going on for six months, seven months, eight months, and you're not getting anywhere, and they tell you, hey, why don't you come with me and let's go get our tarot cards read? And you go, okay, well, maybe I can minister to them there. No! Because you're going to open a door to something that you don't need to open. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 12 says this. They, and this goes back, and it's, this is why I love Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Uh, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 10, it says, There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes 
or, or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of the abomination, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. And so we want to be able to understand that we don't have power over an unclean spirit. Jesus does, right? And we see, he says in, in verse 24, whatever, what you have done to, uh, what, what you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. And the demon even knew who Jesus was. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, you believe that God is the one you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And so we, we realize, wait a minute, the demons believe, but how come the atheists don't? That's a whole nother topic. And, and that's just, you know, I'm, I'm a southern guy and I, I can even get that one. You know, even before Christ, I knew that. I was like, well, the demons believe in God. I, you, you know, you got to be careful. And, and so Mark is dealing with this, is, is, and, and we're going to see throughout the book of Mark, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, why were there so many demons and evil spirits? There were 400 years of silence, and all these laws had pulled people away from God. The burdens were too heavy. And then the enemy just came in and just had fun and started, started doing what the enemy does. People start opening doors and allowing idols in their life and doing things they're not supposed to do, and that darkness comes in. And Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And then in verse 10 it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of, 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 of his Christ have come. For, uh, for the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our, our God. And, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great, in a great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And, and I've, I've said this before in earlier teachings is that we have more people. 30 years ago, we had more people that believed in God. Uh, Barner survey did it, and 50, I think it's 52 or 51% believe more in the devil than they do believe in God now. And that says a lot about our society. And, and honestly, something for us is to remember that these things are real. And we see Jesus in verse 25 rebuking. And, uh, and he says, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. So Jesus doesn't mince words. He just says, shut up and get out. Right? Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, it says, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly so we see another another view of that and we also know that that jesus when he re, when he rebuked the wind what did he say peace be still he's not a, he's not going to mince words right and we see in mark mark chapter 5 verse 26 and the unclean spirit convulsing him crying out with a loud voice came out of him 
And so nothing can stand against the authority of Jesus. Not an unclean spirit, not, the, not any evil, uh, and certainly not the devil, because we saw Jesus being tempted a few, few verses earlier. And, and we know nothing happened to the boy in the book of Luke. Remember we talked about the synoptic gospels as just a fancy name for different camera angles, right? Different eyewitness testimonies. And, and we know that nothing happened to him because in Luke chapter 4, verse 35 at the very end, it says, having done him no harm. So nothing, he was not hurt. And I can tell you very carefully, like if somebody tells you they've been messing with something, you need to take it serious. Okay? I have been to houses where we prayed beforehand. We had to go anoint the house and we talked to the kids and all of them, all of them saw the dark figure in the house and talking to one of the boys telling them to kill the parents. And when we asked those kids, and they were teenagers, and they, and they had little ones and then teenagers, and something had been let in that house, and we knew there was something going on. But as soon as we asked the kids if they wanted prayer or if they wanted to be anointed with oil, oil, the first two up were the teenagers. That's how scared they were. And so you need to be very careful. When we go into these things, we go into these things praying and understanding we have no authority over it. Only Jesus does. The other time that we had, we had a, um, uh, one of our, our friends actually... Uh, uh, the the dad had messed around with uh, that Mexican witchcraft. I won't say it because she says it better. Um, and so, and he couldn't sleep. He was uh, for forty eight hours. He couldn't even go in the house because he was scared because there was something in the house. And so they called us and said, "Hey, is there any way that you could share the gospel? Could you come over?" And he only speaks Spanish, so I had to get my friend Vic. And Vic went with me, and then our senior pastor went with us. But as we were preparing, we were all praying and understanding that we could be getting into something that, you know, you take it seriously. If you find out somebody's been messing with the Ouija board, you find that they've been messing with tarot cards, you take that stuff seriously. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is the only one that has authority over it. What was amazing is that guy ended up giving his life to Christ. We gave a sermon for one person. I never taught, I never had somebody translate. So it was the first time I was like, well, let's try it. I don't know what's going to happen. And we just went and did it. And the guy ended up coming to know Christ, but it was all because of what the authority of Jesus can do. That's what Jesus does. And, and even though we think, okay, this darkness, this thing they're messing with, God can pull them out of it. God can pull them out of it. And, and we just need to be careful we don't get sucked into it and all. Uh, it's very easy for that to happen too, so you need to be very careful. In verse 27 it says, And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So we see the fame spreads out through the trade routes. And, and uh, you know, they would practice trying to, to remove um, spirits and, and pagan rituals is how they would do it. And, and there's that story that happens in the, uh, with the uh, inerrant Jewish 
exorcist in Acts chapter 19, and I won't go into all of it. But the evil spirit answered and tells them, because they're, they're there, and the evil spirit tells them in verse 15 of Acts chapter 19, it says, the evil spirit answered, says, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And so you've got to be careful with what you're dealing with. And, and so we need to remember that Jesus is the one that has the authority over it. And that's what they were saying. It's like we've never seen somebody remove an unclean spirit. Who is this that has this type of authority? It's Jesus. It's the Messiah. And we see the last part here in verses 30-34. Jesus' authority to heal and now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about it. So during this time, uh, malaria and typhoid was really big. And anybody who's had, have you had malaria? We had to take the pills. Like, oh, Lord, the pills are worse. It's, I would rather get the fever than have the pills. <laughs> they, but you take, you, you could have malaria or typhoid, and the, the, the fever could be real high, anywhere between 105 to 107 degree t fever. That's roundabout. And so at that time, that was one of the, the, the main diseases that was going around. But we see in, in, in verse 31, it says, And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And so they come in at lunchtime after, after coming from the synagogue and he's already preached the word at the synagogue and now they enter into the home of, of Simon. And, and what's really cool is Simon's mother-in-law is there. Like I, from one of the things that I really love about my wife's family is Hispanic family and Hawaiian families are very tight-knit. They take care of each other. That was one of the things that I learned um, you know, my family, we, we come from divorce and very young age. And so our, there was a split that happens and, and that's a whole nother thing. And, uh, but her, I watched her mom take care of her dad who had dementia for 12 years before he passed on and he stayed at the house. And, and, and I just love the fact that we see Simon's mother-in-law here, right? And, and it just is a reminder of us that we, we are to care for those, uh, that, that, you know, like we, one of the things we're doing is taking care of our mother-in-law and looking out for her and doing the things that she needs, you know, because she's, she's a widow now. And that's the responsibility of the family. And so, um, you know, it, it's important for us to remember something here. Is the, if we see Jesus lifting, lifting her up. 2020, we saw so many things happen with COVID. Right. And and people getting sick. And we, we actually had somebody uh, that passed in our church. We had two people that passed in our church. And 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 so one of the things I can remember, and even when my friend Louie passed away of cancer, I can remember so many people praying for him. And praying for them. When they were in the hospital and asking for healing. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate physician. Right? And, and you know what? Their healing came as they were born into heaven. They were healed. And sometimes the healing that happens is not going to happen here. Uh, I, I, I'm one that, that struggles with an autoimmune disease and I have a genetic disorder. And, and so I can tell you before Christ, when I first came to know the Lord, I, I was being they thought I had cancer of the nerves. 
and I had a biopsy done, and, and um, I wasn't functioning. I wasn't in that much pain, and, and, and they finally figured out what it was, <laughs> and, and it was just amazing because I, for me, I'm healed. If you would have known me back in 2008, I wasn't moving. I, I, I was in that much pain. It hurt that bad, but, it, but, but God healed me. And I know the rest of the healing is going to come probably later because if I was completely healed, I'd be at the beach. Y'all wouldn't see me. I'd be doing, I always joke around with my senior pastor, I'd be doing the sand ministry. I'd be writing scriptures in the sand and move down the beach and write another scripture in the sand. But at the end of the day, one of the things that, that people prayed is they, they prayed for, for me. And, and that's one of the things we should do first. I think sometimes the, the first thing we do, yeah, you're supposed to take them to the doctor. Yes, but do you actually lift them up in prayer? Right? Immediately, just lift them up in prayer. And, 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 and understand that He has the authority to heal the illness and disease. He has it. The other thing we have to ask ourselves is, why do we have to deal with COVID? Why do we have to deal with cancer? Why do we have to deal with these type of autoimmune things and, and all this? Why? Because of sin. Sin entered the world. This was a perfect place. In Genesis chapter 3, once sin entered the world, the world was decaying sin. Death entered the world. Illness entered the world. Disease entered the world. And so that's why we have to deal with it. I can tell you one thing that nobody will ever tell you. You can actually eat a little better. You can do some little, a little bit of walking, right? It's, those are all things that will help. That's what I always found funny with COVID is, is they never talked about the good things. Take some vitamin D. Go get some sun. Go walking. They, never, they just gave you the bad things over and over and over. And, and so for us, what we need to understand is that Jesus is the one that heals. Jesus is the one that's the ultimate position. And then what does she do? She gets up and starts serving them. She just gets up and starts serving them. See, for us, when, we, when we're dealing with those things of, of illness, we need to understand that, that we need to go to the Lord. That we need to understand that as a church, uh, in James chapter 14, 514, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. We do that. That's important. Very important. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, I love this because we shared this this past week. Casting all anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You cast your anxieties on Him. If you're diagnosed with, and we just went through this with Teresa's mom. She was diagnosed with cancer. They found a tumor. And it's like, it's that pulling. The emotions going one way and the feelings going the other and it's a tug of war. And the anxiety is trying to break it. And it just puts you in a place of, of uh, you're not functioning. And so one of the things that we need to do is it says in, in verse Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we see that Jesus continues on to heal and this is all just one day in the life of Christ. And, and that evening at sundown, they brought him all, all who were sick and oppressed de by demons. And so the Sabbath's over. They can bring them. And this is to remind us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me all who labor 
and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. They were bringing them to Jesus. They're like, he can heal the disease. The desperate go to who? <laughs> Jesus. I can tell you it wasn't until I was at my lowest point when I came to know the Christ. I don't know why I was so hard-headed, but I was hard-headed. And we see, uh, you know, in, in verse 33, the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So he handled all types of diseases. It says various diseases. He healed them. And not only that, he cast out demons. So we know that Jesus has authority over. Uh, he has authority to teach. He has the authority over evil. We know he has authority over illness and disease. And he can heal. And I love Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take water of life without price. Anyone who's thirsty, come. And all were healed. And that's why it says in John chapter 21, verse 25, it says, And, and I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that were written, uh, would be written. So there, this is just one day. Just one day. This is the first day of his ministry. And so what is the application for us? You know, for us, one of the things you have to ask yourself, is Jesus the authority of every part of your life? Is there some part where you're going, nah, I'm not going to give that up to him? Because then he's not your Lord, right? <laughs> the other part would be, would you let Jesus in your home? Is there a room in your home that Jesus can't go to? Is there a computer in your home that Jesus can't open, right? Because he goes into Peter's home, right? So we want, we want the Lord to be the Lord of every part of our life. And all, not just some parts. We see that Jesus was a, a, a servant and, and had authority over the Word and, and over uh, evil and over illness and disease. And, and, and so we need to surrender that over to Him. The other thing would be is, do you know somebody, or maybe you know somebody that stopped coming to church? Invite them back, Right? Invite them back. If you're home watching online, come back to church. Okay? Come back to church. Jesus was in church. You need to be back in church. That's all I'm going to say about that because I can go a while on that one. Have you been messing with something that you shouldn't be messing with? When we look at the unclean spirit, we see the unclean spirit was sitting in church. But have you been messing with something you shouldn't be? Remember what I said before. You can be a thousand steps away from Christ. You can be 10,000 steps away from Christ. All it takes is that about face, that repentance, and you're back in a right relationship with the Lord. You need to walk away from that and close the door to that because it leads to other things. And lastly, just if you know somebody who's sick, right, you need to pray for them. You know, take them to the doctor, yeah, but pray for them. Ask, you know what the cool thing is? Is... You can ask other people to pray. Hey, can you pray? So-and-so is not feeling well. So-and-so had to have surgery. Um, can you pray for him? Please 
I, we want that. We want to be in prayer with you. And so at the end of the day, those are things that we can do. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, your word. We pray and we just thank you for, you know what? I didn't pray for Forrest and the family. Uh, we pray for them. We ask, Lord, that you would, um, and I pray for my son. He's on the road today too uh, as he's driving to Houston. Uh, we pray for their, their travel safety, for uh, traveling mercies, Lord. We pray, as we see most of the nation still struggling with gas, we pray wherever they're at that you would provide the needs that they, they have, Lord, that you would protect the family. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for everyone here. We pray that as we look at our lives, that Jesus would be the authority of our life in every aspect. And we thank you so much just to have worship. We thank you so much for uh, new faces and families. And, and we just pray, Father God, just, just do a mighty work here in Divine. I pray for the meeting that we have. We have the Chamber of Commerce meeting hopefully tomorrow. I uh, got postponed last week because of the bad weather. And just hopefully get to meet some more people. And, and, uh, and we just thank you, Lord. We just pray that we see the city council and the and the mayor's office and and the chamber of commerce all come together and do what's best for the people of divine and lytle and natalia and and uh and we just thank you for that we ask these things in jesus name amen thank you so much that was pastor michael petit from calvary divine texas remember if you need to get more information on the church you can do that at calvarydivine.org god bless